2: Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase.
1: Hello, this is Zia Mahmood. Welcome to Sorry Partner and hello to everybody.
3: Hello, and welcome to Sorry Partner, a weekly podcast about bridge and all things interesting to bridge players, brought to you by bridge partners and friends, Catherine Harris and Jocelyn Starts. On today's program, we talk with Pakistani American champion Zia Mahmood about table feel, family life, and bucking expectations. Plus, he shares his top tip for developing players. But first, let's kibitz! Hi, partner.
2: Hi, partner. How are you, Catherine? Jocelyn, I'm great. How are you? I'm fine. Wasn't that so fun last night when we were playing in that online tournament? And who were we up against? You're always very good about looking to see who's in the field. But Ashley Bach. Yes. Our very recent guest on this podcast. So, of course, I got very nervous that we're playing in the same field with Ash, our friend Ash. And, uh, (laughs) but we held our own. We did. We did. You know, he's a world champion and he came in first. Remind me, what was his score? He had a 71.41. Oof. And we came in ninth with a 62.48. And... This was out of a field of 172 pairs. Very respectable. I think it was very respectable. Of course we had to we had to say, Hi Ash. <laughs> <laughs> Look at us. <laughs> you beat us. But we were there. <laughs> That's right. So at least we made it in the leaderboard. Yes, we did. Yes, we did. Though
3: Jocelyn, I I did want to uh, refer back to one of the hands that we played during that game. A 17.6% on board number eight was all my fault. For once. (laughs) (laughs) Very funny. That's very cute. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Just for once. (laughs) And um, (laughs) the opponents were in three no Trump. And it did make on every single table except ours where they made three no Trump plus one. So you led the Queen of Diamonds from Queen Jack five times, which was a beautiful lead. And I had King Little of Diamonds, and I knew you wanted me to unblock. And so I very cleverly played my king on your queen, knowing what was going on and feeling very pleased with myself that at last I knew what to do in these situations. And I believe the ace came down. Am I right? Yes. 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 And then when I got back in, what did I do, Jocelyn? I believe you led me back a
2: spade.
3: (laughs) I did, because I lost confidence and for some reason did not return your suit, which was idiotic. And so thus, our opponents made plus one and everyone else made nine. Right. That's great. Well, it was just uncanny because I was playing with another partner the next day and I was in almost exactly the same situation. They led the Queen of Clubs against Tuno Trump and I had the King... And a little, and I just, you know, that thing, it's like, oh, it was like this recognition. Okay. It was great timing really, because it just reinforced the principle. And so I put the king on and I knew that once I got back into my hand, I would lead back the club. And I, I was just really grateful to have it happen in such close proximity to the other game. You know, sometimes for a lesson to be learned, for it to really go in, it's just very helpful to have it come up a couple of times. Anyway. It turned out the opponents had the ace, which didn't matter, but it set up my partner's next club trick. So, so that was perfect. And in fact, um, we set them one trick, which was terrific. A lot of people were in 3 no trump also going off one, but if, if our opponents had been in 3 no trump we would have set them two. So I thought, oh, nice, nice payoff there from actually <laughs> actually doing the right thing for once.
2: <laughs> but it's all about context, isn't it? It's so interesting. It is, and it's so hard to figure out what the difference is because it feels so similar from time to time, and no, it's a very different situation because the vulnerability or the fact that you're a preemptive overcaller instead of a preemptive opener. I mean, it's just everything changes. It's very hard. <laughs> very hard.
3: <laughs> Support for Sorry Partner comes from Bridge with Larry Cohen, home of the Bridge Made Simple webinars at www.larryco.com for loads of videos, practice hands, and our favourite, the quizzes. Thanks, Larry.
2: And we're back.
3: So, Jocelyn, we've had a couple of letters in the mailbag. One is a very short one from Anonymous, but it's on the theme of context. It made me laugh. So why not? Here we go. One day, my dog accidentally head me and I developed terrible bruising around my eye and nose. I looked like I'd been in a fight at the pub. However, I had a bridge game lined up that afternoon. I briefly considered cancelling, but, well, it's bridge.
2: <laughs> <laughs> we know.
3: <laughs> when I rocked up to the club, the director asked me what on earth happened. I told him I didn't leave my partner's suit. <laughs> boom boom good one
2: (laughs) I love that yeah it's
3: very cute thanks for sending that in anonymous that's great and then we have a letter from Catherine in New Zealand and the subject of this one is only a bridge player could understand this or maybe not (laughs) (laughs) hi Catherine and Jocelyn I love your podcasts, especially the stories at the beginning. They always make me laugh. Thank you, Catherine. (laughs) (laughs) I belong to a small bridge club in New Zealand. And then she says 100 members. It's a great club and we have a lot of fun there. The morning after one of our recent sessions, the pair contacted me to say that their scores on board 21 and 23 were not included in the results. So I think this must be a situation where it's a small club and maybe they hand tabulate all the results.
2: And she's not a director? I think she might be. Oh, okay. I think she might be. But she says,
3: after a bit of discussion, we realized that their opponents also had not received scores for those boards, and it looked as though they had not been entered into the bridge pad. I suggested they all look at the hand records and see if they could agree on the contracts on those two boards, and then the scorer would enter those scores for them. I didn't hear anything from them for a couple of days, and then I received this email from one of the players. Quote, I vaguely remember there was one board, probably board 21, where I said to the opponents, I think that this will be a good board for you, and they agreed. There was a tussle by east-west in hearts and north-south in clubs on board 23, and I think the hearts won. But either way, I think the contract would have gone down. Not sure by how much, or to be definite, by who? (laughs) So sorry I'm not much help. I very much enjoyed the night and to end up playing with our friends was a great note to finish on.
2: So did they get average?
3: (laughs) And then Catherine says, I think this is such a funny email. It would only make sense to a bridge player or maybe not. (laughs) (laughs) I totally know what she
2: means. Hilarious. Catherine, thank you so much. Sometimes you just sort of get the rhythm, the the feel of the night. You don't really remember specifics. It was like yeah, there was sort of a contentious auction. A long pause really remember how that went <laughs> which is one thing about bbo that is very nice it's always right there to find you exactly the bidding the play that's true it is great to be able to go back and say whose fault it is <laughs> the blame game yeah especially
3: when it's your partner's fault such as yours truly here with my not coming back your suit <laughs> <laughs>
2: But well, at least I didn't give you a, a black eye. <laughs> Gosh, yeah. At least you didn't. <laughs> you never would. <laughs> so if you have any good stories to share about context being key for a certain decision at the table or some funny conversation dialogue that would never happen in any other situation, please do send it to us either on email or Instagram or voice message. Those links are all on the website or you can find them in our show notes along with some other good stuff. Coming up next, our interview with Zia Mahmood. Zia Mahmood achieved international bridge fame almost overnight when in 1981, he led Pakistan to a second-place finish in the Bermuda Bowl, the first participation by players from that World Bridge Federation geographic region. He has since gone on to claim just about every title there is. He believes in honesty and decency, and for a player so famous he is known simply by his first name, he is delightfully down-to-earth. Unfortunately, the internet was not our friend during this interview, so the audio quality is shaky in parts. But that doesn't detract from Zia's warmth and generosity of spirit. We began by asking him what it is he most loves about Bridge.
1: I love the most that I'm an old man and I can still enjoy it. So there are very few things as you get old that remain consistent and full of passion and full of pleasure and full of of the ability to perform. And that's the reason I like it today. It's not the reason I liked it originally, but it's why today it's still high on my list of priorities in life.
2: What were some of the reasons that you liked it before?
1: Well, it's a little bit kind of up and down, but I started Bridge much later than the average person. I was a qualified CPA and I found that exceptionally boring and I wanted to do anything but work. And I also wanted to meet a very pretty girl who happened to play bridge. She told me, come to the bridge party, which I did. And the next thing I knew, I was besotted and addicted and fell in love with this game. Gave up everything in my life to play it for the last 50 years or so.
3: Zia, you said that you taught yourself to play bridge in order to be able to play with that woman. Do you remember what book you read in order to prepare for that very first game?
1: Yeah, I, I read, I quickly read like an overnight book, which in those days was called Goran's Bridge Book or something by Charles Goran, and another one called Five Weeks to Winning Bridge by a guy called Alfred Scheidel, which in those days, in fact, I think it's probably one of the most best selling books ever and was exceptional for introducing you to the game. Today, perhaps they're better books, but at that time, it was great.
2: So we often ask our guests who is the most interesting or fascinating. Person that they've either played with or against, and they frequently say you. So we wanted to know who you think is the most interesting person that you've ever played with or against at the table.
1: They only say me because I owe them all money, and they're trying to be nice (laughs) so I pay. Don't worry.
2: Maybe they owe you money.
1: (laughs) Look, I played bridge with so many wonderful and interesting people. I did play maybe 10 or 20 years, as the partner of a very famous movie star called Umar Sharif, who was unbelievably handsome. And every woman who met him kind of fell in love with him, even if they didn't meet him, they'd hang around, around the table and just gawk at him. And we would go around the world playing together. And he was a really charming and very generous man. And I had a lovely time with him. So that's somebody who I could mention, who everybody would have heard of.
3: What
1: was the best thing about playing with Omar Sharif? The best thing was that uh, we didn't take bridge as seriously as some of the world does. We used to play our bridge. We used to love our bridge. But then we'd go out and have a lovely dinner. We'd sit with our friends. We'd joke. We'd laugh. We'd have beautiful wine. He was a wonderful host. So the whole periphery of the atmosphere of playing the game was as much fun. So it was not only the bridge game. But it was everything that surrounded it that made it so much fun.
3: But you're on record as saying that you like to win. So is the fun just about winning?
1: No, it's not. For me, the real fun of Bridge is performing to one's own potential or one's own excellence. If I play really badly and win, I'm far less happy than if I play really well and lose. Surprisingly, I've won a lot of world championships and a lot of championships... But the ones where I played well are the ones that turned me on, not the ones that I misplayed. So it's a kind of ego thing.
3: And what would turn you on?
1: About bridge or yeah. about playing well? Okay, so everybody has different ideas of what the kind of perfect or the, the their own private excellence revolves around. For me, it's doing something so beautiful, so exceptional, so different from anybody else that I can perform a kind of magic which is created by my own imagination, by my own experience, or my own lack of or increase in talent. And that little piece of magic is what turns me on, that keeps me going. Not playing perfect bridge 24 hours a day. I don't care about that.
3: Do you feel it when it's happening?
1: I feel it after it's happened, and then sometimes I feel it in advance, and sometimes I, I can sense it. I'm very much into the feeling around the table and sensing human beings' emotions, which is one of the reasons why I'm not mad about Internet Bridge as opposed to Live Bridge. And when I'm on a table with people, I do feel that in a short time I can sense how aggressive or optimistic or how a particular hand is appealing to them, and I can sort of get a read which is one of my, I don't know if it's talents or, or abilities, but it's something I like to do.
2: Yes, you, you've said that you could sit with someone and talk to them for a while, and not get to know them as well as if you played against them for 10 minutes. Absolutely. Then you would know everything about them and you'd know them as well or better than their closest relatives. I was fascinated by that. Could you give us some examples of things that you learn about your opponents when you're face-to-face playing at the table?
1: Well, you obviously well read up on my history because it's something I do like to discuss. But first of all, the thing that I think most people don't understand about bridge is there is no such thing as the right bridge play or bid at any time. The right bridge or play depends on who is sitting around you at the table. If I'm playing against... Jeff Meckstroth and Eric Rodwell. Clearly, I shouldn't play the same way as I would against Mr. Mickles and Mr. Mockles. So I must use the ability or lack of ability or the character or lack of character of my opponents for my benefit. So if I'm playing against the top player, I will only get a very mild read. Whereas if I'm playing against a casual player, they'll be physically expressing their delight or dismay or happiness. So this happens all the time. But truthfully, even the top players can. I was playing last month in the American Trials. It was online, except it was in person online, where two of you sat in the same room. And I was in the same room as Jeff Mekstra on that particular hand. And on this hand, he behaved or bid in a certain way that gave me an insight that he was feeling very confident about the way he bid. And in a an very unusual hand, I played the two from Dummy, the person on my right played the three, and I finessed the four to hold the trick. And it was only because of what I had felt on the table, not for any bridge reason. It was from a human reason. Now, that is what I like. Now, it's hard to explain it because it's not something that most people do. But the, the, the point about making your bids or play dependent on the level of your opponents is something that is so important and hard to do
0: many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out my solution is plush care plush care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey they can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news...
2: what are the sorts of things that you can learn about their character or more generally?
1: Well, first of all, very soon you understand or see if a person is timid, aggressive, if he underbids a lot, if he overbids a lot. These are personality traits that are emerging on the bridge table. And why I say a bridge table reveals them much more. I can sit with you at a dining table for the first time and you can behave very properly and very often decently and very politely, but you won't really reveal much of yourself. But on the bridge table, it's hard for a person to hide their natural. If they get a car, kind of a lot of distribution, a normally aggressive optimist will start bidding a lot. And that will become apparent in one, one or two of their bids, that this is their personality. Another one, you'll open something and they'll have a good hand and they should be bidding, but they're timid, so they won't bid. And you'll immediately know this person can be bullied in the, in the bidding style, and you can take advantage. So all of these, in literally in one or two hands, become apparent, especially to someone who's looking out for them. So those are the signs that help a person who's into this. A lot of very good players don't care about this because they grow up playing with players of their own level. So this part of the game is very far away. But rubber bridge players, people who grew up playing money games where the standards was hugely varied, they are much more into this because they play sometimes with great and sometimes with horrible players. And they learn to use or to abuse or to encourage their partner's traits.
3: Have you always been aware of this ability to read people and to read the table?
1: I'm not sure, but I think, I think it's clearly to do with the, the way I played playing bridge which was totally... I didn't play duplicate bridge for at least three or four years. Most people today only play duplicate bridge. But I would play with people in Pakistan, where I came from. Then I'd go to London and play with people there. Then I'd go with America. To, and I was forced to adjust to the characteristics and abilities of the people I played with. And so it became very easy. It's a different world, the world of rubber bridge, which is the money game, as opposed to the tournament.
2: Have you ever encountered people who display a side of themselves at the bridge table that they never display otherwise?
1: Really, to tell you the truth, it's always lurking underneath the true character. There are people, I, there's no question, there are people who are very timid in life and suddenly become aggressive at the table, but they're far and few between. I would say it's much more likely that your real character, like in a golf game. You see a person's golf game, the way not to hit the ball, but the way they react to good and bad plays and the way they react to their opponents or their partners, you know, how supportive they are, how critical they are, how jealous they are, every talent or every emotion is revealed very easily.
3: When you think about a couple of your long term partnerships, what has been some of the challenging aspects of those partnerships?
1: First of all, I've had very few long-term partnerships. I probably had a couple only. Like the Maxtroth and Rod Wills have played 30, 40 years together. You know, my longest partnerships were four or five years, maybe seven years. And that's because I'm a bit of a polygamous sort of human being, you know. I, I enjoy changing partners. I enjoy getting involved in new partnerships and new human beings. And I, you know, I probably grind my partners up the wrong way when I stick with them too long.
3: Have there been any issues that have come up in some of your partnerships that you've had to work to resolve?
1: Yeah, mostly I would say the problem of my temperament, being able to behave in the way my partner wanted me to behave. I play with a lot of people who are very placid, very laid back, but I'm an emotional Pakistani, so I love strongly and I hate strongly and I react strongly. Some people get get hurt inside them and they feel it. And that is not healthy.
3: Do you have a bridge blind spot?
1: Well, I would say yes. I would say, first of all, there's no such thing as a really good bridge. Player. Let me make that clear. All of us so-called experts are miles worse than people think. And we all have very regular, consistent blind spots. Mine is, I would say, Probably my worst talent is that I'm very lazy at times when I shouldn't be lazy. I'm super optimistic when I should be more practical. And I would say carelessness is why, if I was more meticulous, I would probably do better, but it's not my personality.
3: Have you got an example you can give us of a time when you were careless?
1: Well, yes, absolutely. I mean, again, this was slightly related to internet versus real life, but the other day I was playing a slam on online bridge and I had a situation where the opponents had bid a lot and without many values. So I knew there was a lot of distribution around and my trump suit was queen fifth opposite ace, king, 10. Now, normally you would just play ace, king, queen and hope the suit breaks, but because the opponent's, had bid so much, I figured the distribution was adverse or unhappy. So I cashed the ace, went to dummy and infinites, the 10. This lost to a very sad jack and one And the reason why my play was bad and this was careless, because online, the guy who bid a suit and showed at least his card, led the two of spades, the two of his suit. Now, the two of his suit could never be a genuine card. And in fact, what he was doing, was trying to tell his partner that he was void in a side suit, which was clubs. But I was, partly because it's online, partly because I was probably filling my glass of champagne, didn't watch it. And if I'd watched it and seen that he had led the two, I would have known that he was signaling to his partner that was void in club, And I would never have made this weird play in the Trump suit, because I would have known that the distribution that I was fearing was in the club suit, not in the trump suit. So this was an example. It cost a slam. It was a terrible play. My teammates say, you're a bloody idiot. But having said that, it was laziness and carelessness rather than lack of ability. And that was, as I say, one of my faults.
2: So interesting about the the lead of a two signaling a void in clubs.
1: Well, uh, in fact, it's funny you said that because I had written an article recently and in that, I was writing about a hand in one of the world championships when the person led the two after bidding a suit and when I had to be a long suit. And now I gauged why he had done it, and I made an obviously impossible play to make the hand. So the fact that I did it in real life and not online was just a reflection to me that online is not the media for me, but it's my fault for being lazy.
3: What's the funniest thing that's ever happened to you at the bridge table or while you were playing bridge?
1: I must say that once it was, I don't know if it's funny or not, we were having a money game in London late at night, very expensive stakes, and there were four, lay, four people playing. One of them was an elderly-ish lady, and we're playing, and suddenly during the game, she suddenly her head pops down and she kind of like goes into a kind of coma. Now, this is a little bit frightening, and someone's saying, let's call the ambulance, someone, let's go," And the only thing is her partner was a policeman, and he said, all I want to know is before we call the ambulance, if she doesn't wake up, do I have to pay her for her share? He okay. said, that's not the right... And two minutes later, she popped her head up again and said, whose <laughs> turn is it to play? And I said, I really think that policeman should be demoted. But anyway, that, that, that was a true story. But there have been many adventures on the bridge tables, but there you are.
3: What's the most unusual or interesting place that you've played?
1: Well, oh, I played once in a balloon. When we, had a, we had a game in a balloon that was going up in the air. I played with royalty several times all over the world in palaces. I played with the Shah of Iran's sister, who was with the most generous host. And she, every time I would come, she would give me an Iranian dish I think it was called Korma Sabzi. I don't remember the exact name. And I didn't like it, but every time I say wonderful. And I asked about four or five times, she said, you know, I, I really wish I could cook you something else, but I only cook you Korma Sabzi because you like it. I said, <laughs> no, princess, I hate it. Please cook me and something else. And after that, we managed to get all the other stuff. So for about five visits, I was eating this Korma Sabzi, which was not my favorite. So when you're with royalty, you have to behave yourself, I guess. That's hilarious.
2: What is something that people might be very surprised to learn about you?
1: Oh, well, I think probably by now, not very much. But as I was mentioning earlier, I'm probably a much better ex-husband than a husband. My wife and I are now very much more friendly now that we're separated than we were. So I spoil my kids too much, as you probably notice if you're going to see my kids. I am somebody who is actually quite... I cry in movies, which I feel a bit embarrassed about. When I cry in movies and I feel very sad, you know, when I see rather simple movies that have got sadness or family situation. And I guess people wouldn't think of me as so emotional. And I'm very, very family-oriented, which is, again, not the kind of hard type of version that people might image of me.
3: What was the last film you cried in?
1: Actually, I cried like two days ago. And we were watching a movie. It was like a TV movie. And it was just one of those kind of sad, happy movies. Not quite an Indian movie. Have you ever seen a Bollywood movie? Everybody starts off without an arm or an eye or a leg, find out that they were all the time missing their long-lost brother who turns up. Those are not really the crime. I like crime movies where where some sad family-type instinct is rewarded at the end and they're all reunited and you know some tragedy becomes a, a, a happiness. i can't I can't tell you the truth the truth, remember which movie it was. but I like rather soppy sentimental movies to tell you the truth.
2: Do you have a favorite convention or gadget that you like to use?
1: If you ask me to give one convention that I'd never give up, and that's Blackwood. I like to bid slams all the time. And one thing I learned is if you bid Blackwood, and you don't have two Ace now, at least you have some chance to make a slam. But if you don't bring Blackwood and you end up with two or three Ace now, whatever happens or well, well you play, it, you're not going to make that. So Blackwood is my top of the list, I would say.
2: Is there a convention that you don't care for or think is a waste of time?
1: Well, there are quite a few of those, but I, I would say the one that I think is far overrated, the, the convention called Gerber. Have you heard of Gerber? Of course. That's when you you open an O trump. Your partner bids four club, asking for aces. It never comes up, and if it comes up, there's a hundred other ways to do it. So that bid is being totally wasted. And I think, even though Mister Gerber was a lovely man, I think it should be you know his time is up, as they say. He's served his sentence, and it's time for him to take a rebate.
3: What's the best bridge tip or advice that you've ever been given?
1: Okay. Well, actually, I'm going to tell you slightly twisted and tell you the best tip. I have a game, and that was when I was asked to give a lecture to 20 Danish juniors, and I was asked to speak to them and give them a tip. So I said, this is the tip I gave. I said, remember something called the four Fs, F. So they said, what are the four Fs? I said, the first one is focus on your hand. The second one is forget the past. The third one, the most important one out of the three, is have fun when you play bridge. And the fourth one, the F, is when things go really bad, go outside, put your head to the window and say F, the F word. The F word is a very useful word when you're playing Brad Bridge. So the four Fs is my tip for the world. Have fun, forget the bad hands, focus when you're playing, And when everything else goes bad, just say F. (laughs) So that's my tip.
2: I love it. And forgive your partner.
1: (laughs) Well, I I don't say forgive your partner, but forgiving your partner is often artificial and hypocritical. I believe there's no harm in criticizing your partner after the game, and he should criticize you as long as you do it with love and not with viciousness. We all make mistakes, and I'm very happy for my partner to tell me, why did you do this silly thing? And I'll say, I'm quite happy to say I'm sorry, and I was was an idiot. But I prefer that than holding it inside me and saying, well done, partner, that was unlucky, when I don't mean it. I prefer, and actually I've got a bad reputation as not being a very loving partner, but that's, I believe in being truthful. I certainly agree you shouldn't misbehave at the table, but after the table, over a drink and dinner, you should go for it until you clean your souls.
3: Zia, thank you so much for joining us today. It was terrific. Thank you very much.
1: Okay, thanks very much. Lovely talking to you. Bye. Bye.
3: And that's the show. Many thanks to Zia Mahmood. Sorry Partner is produced by Catherine Harris. Our theme music was composed by Jocelyn Starts
2: and produced by Daniel Graboy. Send your bridge stories and comments to sorrypartnerpodcast at gmail.com. Or at Sorry Partner Podcast on Instagram, or send us a voice message, and please consider supporting the show. These links and a link to our merch store are in the show notes and on the website, along with some other good stuff. We'd love to hear from you, but be nice, or we'll call the director. Until next week, play well. May all your finesses be on side. And
3: as Zia says, remember the four Fs. Focus on your hand, forget the past, have fun, and if the game isn't going your way, stick your head out the nearest window and you Thank you, partner.
2: Thank you, partner. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs>